Ready to go? Yep. Yeah, go, Marla. Okay. All right. Today is Sunday, October 16th, 2022. We are reading from the big book of AA, pages XXVIII. And we will be reading three paragraphs starting at We Believe and So Suggested reading up through the paragraph, if any feel. And our reader today is going to be Karen C. from New Jersey. Karen, you're on. I don't talk like that. Sorry that you can't read. Who can do it? No, I'm just... Hi, this is Karen C., recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. Uh, we believe and so suggested a few years ago that the actions of that the action of alcohol on those chronic alcoholics is a manifestation of an allergy, that the phenomenon of craving is limited to this class and never occurs in the average temperate drinker. These allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all. And once having formed the habit and found they cannot break it, once having lost their self-confidence, their reliance upon things human, their problems pile up on them and become astonishingly difficult to solve. Frothy emotional peel seldom suffices. The message which can interest and hold these alcoholic people must have depth and weight. In nearly all cases, their ideals must be grounded in a power greater than themselves if they are to recreate their lives. If any feel that as psychiatrists directing a hospital for alcoholics, we appear somewhat sentimental let them stand with us a while on the firing line. See the tragedies, the despairing wives, the little children. Let the solving of these problems become a part of their daily work and even of their sleeping moments. And the most cynical will not wonder that we have accepted and encouraged this movement. We feel after many years of experience that we have found nothing which has contributed more to the rehabilitation of these men than the altruistic movement now growing among them. Thank you for letting me read. Thanks a lot, Karen. Okay, and now we'll have our speaker presentation from our, um, let's see, our friend Maria M. Maria, please share. Hi, I'm Maria M. And I am a recovered compulsive eater from the lovely state of New Jersey, the Garden State. And, um, I'm, I'm so grateful to be here today and uh, thank, thank you all for this service. And these are some wonderful paragraphs. Um, just to qualify, and I don't wanna to qualify too long because I really wanna talk about paragraphs. That's what I want, let's see what God wants. Um, I've been a compulsive eater ever since my childhood memories will take me back. I can always remember wanting sweets never having enough sweets, stealing sweets, um, hiding the evidence of the sweets, um, candy wrappers in the bottom of my trash can so my mother wouldn't find them. Um, you know, I can remember as a child putting sugar in a glass of water because there was no sweets in the house and just stirring it up because I had to have it. Um, I had to have it. Um, so I was addicted at a very, very, very young age. And I was probably addicted even younger than that 
but just don't recall because like I don't have two-year-old memories or one-year-old memories. Um, by the time that I walked into these rooms, I was almost, I was probably 300 pounds, but didn't want to admit it. Um, when I first came into Overeaters Anonymous, I thought it was a big party where everybody knew each other and they talked about God and I didn't want any parts of it. And um, I really had a hard time, the idea that I had a disease. Um, it was very foreign to me that there was no way that I could control this disease. Um, because all my life I had been a dieter. I had been on diets with my mother. I had been on so many diets by the time I came in at the young age of my mid twenties. Um, so the idea that I had a disease that I had no control over was very um, foreign to me. Um, the fact that someone was on the phone with me after I had gone and binged and brought home food and I said I felt like I was in a pit and they said that they were going to get in the pit with me and we were both going to get out was absolutely foreign to me. Like, who was going to help me that much? Like, I had no self-esteem. It was in the toilet. I couldn't accept that kind of help at that time. But that was the kind of help that was offered to me. Um, that person's name was Ted. I don't know where he is now, or but I thank you for that phone call. Um, I did go in my trash can that night and take the items out and throw them away. Um, but I didn't stay abstinent. And all summer, all for like the next six or eight months, I continued to binge. And every time I was in the CVS parking lot, binging my brains out on enough chocolate that would last a normal family unaffected for six to eight months and I would eat it in the parking lot I would say well maybe they were right like something's really wrong here and I went back and I went back when I was ready to die when I was thinking about taking the whole bottle of Tylenol in my closet when I had an ear infection and I wouldn't go to the doctor because I didn't want him to tell me that I needed to lose weight. And I knew at that point that I would die because I would have chest pain or symptoms of a stroke. And I wouldn't go to the doctor because I wouldn't want to hear it. And I was very young. I had a young child and um, I didn't even think about them. That's how selfish I was in this disease. So I went back and um, I went back at the, as a result of listening to a physician, or not a physician, it was a mental health professional. She told me to go back and I said, I didn't like them people. She said, go to a different meeting. And I did. And I went back and I was ready. And a woman, lovely woman named Nora, God bless her, told me I wasn't dumpy and um, that I had a disease and that I had a, um, I was addicted to certain foods. Um, probably sugar and probably flour. And I looked at her like she had three heads. And I said, well, what on earth will I eat? I really thought there was no other products in the universe that I would be able to eat. And she said, well, you could eat this product and you could eat potatoes and you could eat rice. And you could." And I thought, well, that's not as crazy as all these diets I had been on and spent buku thousands of dollars on. Like, um, so why not try it? And she introduced me to two women. One woman offered to sponsor me and she highly encouraged me to call her. And I thought, well, what's this woman want to do with me? Um, 
she looks like she wants to go out and have a cocktail with this other woman. <laughs> and they look so nice and put together. And, um, but I followed direction and I lost a hundred pounds in eight months by eliminating those foods and following the food plan. I went to a lot of meetings, a lot of fellowship and I went into relapse and I started doing step groups after that relapse. And every time that I got done a step group, I would start it again and again and again and again and again. Um, and that worked for 18 years until I stopped doing the steps and I started getting complacent and I went into an eight year relapse and then found the big book meetings. And I have never known such freedom from food obsession as I have known in the big book meetings. Um, because the directions for freedom from food obsession are in the big book. So let's talk about these paragraphs. Um, we believe, and so suggested a few years ago, that the action of alcohol and these chronic alcoholics or chronic compulsive eaters is a manifestation of an allergy. So, um, do you believe that? Do you believe it or not? Do you believe you have an allergy to certain substances? If you don't, time will tell. Like I have worked with people that do not believe they have a certain allergy to certain substances, yet they continue to suffer and suffer and suffer and suffer horribly because they continue to eat those substances. And I'm like, you might want to be mindful that it could be this substance. <laughs> you, know? Um, you know, I believe that I am highly addicted to sugar. I'm highly addicted to flour. Um, not as addicted to flour as I am to sugar, but nonetheless, still addicted nonetheless. Um, I cannot get better, say, from a heroin addiction by continuing to ingest heroin, even in small amounts. So I cannot just ingest heroin when I'm out with maybe in a controlled setting and just have a piece or two and expect to get better. It's not going to happen. Um... I need to eliminate that from my body to get better. And that's, a, and I'm not saying, I, I don't mean to sound trite because that is a horrible thing to go through because my sugar, now think about it. I had this buddy since I had, my earliest childhood memories will take me. This, this substance got me through every fight that my parents had and my parents fought all the time, constantly. I don't remember a day when they didn't fight unless, until I went to Disneyland on my senior trip. You know, they got me through all that. It got me through everything. It got me through every heartbreak, every, um, it got me through everything. It was my comforter. It was my friend. It was everything to me. And now they're telling me I'm not going to have it, that I can never have it again without having a reaction. Um, so it's not easy. It's horrible. I cried my eyes out. I cried my eyes out to my sponsor. I cried. I cried. I said, you don't have to worry about me overeating any of this food that I'm currently eating because it all tastes like crap. <laughs> now I don't think it tastes like that. I kind of, I enjoy the food that I eat today. But at that time, a couple, maybe a week abstinent, I was not a happy camper. So I get it. Putting down the food is hard. It's hard. You will live. It will not be pleasant. You will live. Think about the heroin addict. It's not pleasant for them either. 
They get to go to the hospital and get IV drugs and sedation and get into bed with the nurse. We don't. We get to do it at home, get to go to work, take care of our families and everything else. But it's not easy. I get it. Call me. I get it. We'll cry together. Go stomp your feet in the middle of the living room floor. I don't care. Just don't eat. Um, the phenomenon of craving is limited to this class and never occurs. And I like to use never and then put ever after it, even though it's not in the book that way. Never ever occurs in the average temper drinker. That is why you cannot have the Hershey kisses and your sister can if she's unaffected. That's why my, you know, that's why, because they don't have the allergy and you do. Does that make you a bad person? Absolutely not. There is nothing morally wrong with you because you have an allergy. If you're allergic to strawberries, is there anything morally wrong with you? No, there's nothing wrong with you. Okay. So if your friend or coworker or relative can have what you can have, that's because they're unaffected. You are affected. It's like, we're a pickle, they're a cucumber. You're never going to be the cucumber. You're the pickle. We're not going back. I'm sorry. We're not going back. One day you will enjoy being the pickle. Trust me. I enjoy being the pickle. You know, I, I never thought I'd say that, but I do. Um, these allergic types can never, never, ever put an ever safely use alcohol in any form at all. And once having formed the habit and found they cannot break it, so any form at all. So there are many names for sugar if you're addicted to sugar. Some people are not. There are few and far between that I have met, but there are some people who are not. Um, my sponsor told me to go home and Google the 50 names for sugar. I Googled it. I printed it out. I folded it up and I put it in my purse. And when I went to the store, and I used to love to scan the shelves at all the organic uh, grocery stores and look for products that I could have. And if any of them had any of these ingredients in them, I did not buy them. Because remember, it's just a different name. And I'm still finding out different names. I had somebody contact me about, what was it? Must or something like that. And I was like, what is that? So like I Googled it and I looked it up and it's like boiled down something or other. And I was like, I wouldn't have it. You know, like they're always coming up with different names because companies know if they put sugar on the label that a lot of them, a lot of people will not buy it because they want to eat a healthier lifestyle. So they change the name around. And for me, who's highly addicted, I don't want any of that in my system. I can't afford it. I don't want to be restless, irritable, and discontent, pacing the floors and wanting things that I kind of have. I just, no, I'm not going to buy it. If it had those names in it, I didn't buy it. Um, because remember, it's that little bit of heroin in the food. No. Um, because I don't want to trigger the allergy. Because once I trigger the allergy, I'm going to eat. Um, I can never safely use this item at all. And once I've formed the habit, found I cannot break it. Once having lost their self-confidence, uh, understatement of the century, self-confidence, once having lost my self-confidence, my self-esteem was in the toilet. <laughs> their reliance upon things human, nothing worked. Nothing in the human realm worked for me. Nothing. 
The only diet I didn't try was the injection of the pregnant woman's hormones and bariatric surgery. And the only reason I didn't try bariatric surgery was that I knew I would eat right through it. I knew that I would find some form of sugar that would be able to slip through the cracks in that surgery and that I would gain all my weight back. Um, their problems pile up on them and they become astonishingly difficult to solve. So the bills don't get paid. Uh, the checks bounce, Monday morning comes around, nothing fits. Um, I'm having trouble with my personal relationships at home. I am absent from every personal relationship in my life. I wasn't one to be um, yelling and screaming, although I could, but mostly I was absent. And I get that now. I get that now because I know other compulsive eaters and they are absent and I miss them terribly. My heart breaks, I miss them terribly. But I know there's nothing that I can do like other than pray for them. And you know what they tell you, the three things that you can do to help recover, help somebody else get better that you love, recover, recover, recover. And part of that is don't eat the allergen. Frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices. So I could call that person and beg them to stop, stop doing what they're doing. People used to do that to me. Doctors will beg you to stop doing what you're doing. Does that work? We all know that doesn't work. Um, so the message which can interest and hold these alcohol people must have depth and weight. So what was the message that had depth and weight for me? The message that had depth and weight was my Abby sitting at a meeting who had been in relapse for years and years and years and years and years, was now acting normal, was in a normal body size, and was approachable. That was the message of depth and weight. And I approached her and I said, can I call you sometime? That was the message of depth and weight. She didn't come to me and try and ram anything down my throat. And she said, well, you know, you can call me, but most people don't want to stop eating. So, you know, if you want to stop eating, you can call me. And then she told me I looked all sugared up and I was like really pissed off at that point. I was like, who does she think she is? I got my good coat on. You know, I bought this in Italy. <laughs> you know? And she, she was very kind though, very like not condescending. Like there was no way I could really be mad at her. And she suggested that I go to this big book meeting on Sunday morning and try and get some help. And um, I was like, I don't know, um, you know, and she, she said, you know, there's a lot of people there that might be able to help you. And, um, you know, I, you know, just to, just to, just to prove her wrong, I, I went to the Sunday morning meeting. I was determined to go. And um, of course I had my big binge on Saturday night. Um, she was worried about me driving home that night. Um, and I can understand why. Um, the message, am I okay for time, Marla? Uh, you have about four more minutes. Okay, okay, so let's see. So um, my ideals must be grounded in a power greater than myself to recreate my life. My life has been recreated by a power bigger than me. 
I didn't recreate it, trust me. I have been a horrible manager in my life and I needed to be fired. So I did, I fired me. And I followed directions of a higher power today because Maria running her life was not good. Maria gets up in the morning and she thanks God for waking her up. And my life is not perfect today. It definitely has problems today. It has a lot of heartache today, but you know what? I thank God for the heartache. Thank you. Thank you. Because something good is going to come out of it. And I know it because that's how my higher power works. And I have faith in that. And I have, I have faith that I will be granted perseverance and out of perseverance is going to come something wonderful. Um, you know, and the altruistic movement now growing up among them, I used to be a school nurse and I used to wake up in the middle of the night worried about my patients. Did Johnny go to the dentist? Did this one get the cellulitis taken care of? Did this one go to the cardiologist? A lot of my patients did not have health insurance. They were not eligible for any health insurance. So I know what it's like. And, um, you know, if there was an altruistic movement growing up among my patients that got them care for, I would have signed on too. You know, so, you know, we have to be altruistic. If you're not sponsoring and you've been through the 12 steps, you need to sponsor. You're not going to survive if you're not sponsoring and helping other people because something's going to come up, a heartbreak. That's how life is. The car breaks down, the kids get sick something happens you need to sponsor it's not an option so continue not eating the allergen <laughs> continue being altruistic so you won't think about yourself which always gets you in trouble and that's all i got thanks for letting me share um we're gonna stop the recording